Hey, do you ever have a moment in your life where you remember what you should forget and forget what you should remember? Anybody struggle with that occasionally? Like, like, have you ever had a song just playing in your head and you cannot get it out? And you're like, I wish I could forget this song. Or when you walk outside of a store and you get to the parking lot and you realize, I don't remember where I parked. You ever had that experience? Sometimes we have this tendency to remember what we should forget and forget what we should remember. Oftentimes it's far more serious than just a song in our head or walking out into a parking lot. Sometimes a failure or a sin or a little bit of our brokenness hangs really heavy on our hearts. Much heavier than the reality of our forgiveness or our victory in Christ. Do you ever have moments like that where you remember what you should forget and forget what you should remember? I, I, I want us today to, through this scripture passage, remember what we should never forget. I, I want us in communion to be reminded of Jesus' death and resurrection because it's through his death and resurrection that we have the truth in this passage today that we should always remember. What I'm praying this morning is that we would remember what we should remember so that we can forget what we should forget. So let's look at 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 starting in verse 13. And let's read this passage together. In this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given to us from his spirit and we have seen and we are testifying that the father sent the son as savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have come to know and we have come to believe the love which God has in us. God is love. And the one abiding in love abides in God. And God abides in him. This passage is all about knowing that you abide in God and God abides in you through your faith in Jesus Christ. And you think about that for a second. The scripture says that God abides in us and we abide in God. That is a phenomenal description of our personal relationship with God through our faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, we have a marvelous example of what that kind of relationship is supposed to be like, what we're supposed to think when we hear the words, 
that God abides in us and we abide in him. We see it in Jesus Christ. In fact, the Gospel of John creates an amazing picture of Jesus' relationship with God the Father and God the Spirit. So the relationship that Jesus has is indicated in John chapter 1 with the Spirit of God when John the Baptist observes that the Spirit of God came down on Jesus Christ like a dove and abided on him. From the very first picture of Jesus in the Gospel of John, we see the Spirit of God abides in Jesus so that Jesus is now living his life in displaying who God is through the presence, the abiding presence of the Spirit of God. Then Jesus talks about how the Father abides in him and he abides in the Father by way of the Spirit. Such that Jesus is seeing what the Father is doing through the abiding presence of the Spirit. And Jesus then does what he sees the Father doing. Jesus says that he is speaking. What he hears the Father speak. So the abiding presence of the Father in him through the Spirit enables him to speak so that he's only speaking the words of the Father. It is this amazing relationships that exist in the Godhead. Father, Son, and Spirit that's exemplified throughout John in the person of Jesus Christ walking among us. And he wants us to know That this relationship he has with the Father abiding in him by way of the Spirit gives a picture of the relationship that he is offering to us. In fact, he says to the disciples, I am now remaining with you. He says, I'm with you right now. And you're getting to hear the words I'm speaking because I'm with you. And what he's essentially saying is, when you hear me and when you see me, you're hearing the Father and you're seeing the Father because the Father abides in me and I abide in the Father. And there's not a thing that you're witnessing right now from me that's not connected to who I am and who's in me and who I am in. It's amazing. It's amazing. I think if that's the example of abiding, what it means for us when the scripture says God abides in you and you abide in God. This is the most significant relationship on the face of the earth. And God wants us to know that he abides in us and that we abide in him. And this passage tells us how we can know. Look at verse 13. In this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he is given to us from his spirit. When anyone places their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Bible communicates in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14. That upon believing in the message of Christ, God gives us his spirit as a down payment, a deposit, a guarantee that we belong to him. The reason that we can know that God abides in us and we abide in him is because the Holy Spirit has been given to those who trust in Jesus Christ. You've received the Holy Spirit 
as a testimony, a witness. Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says that the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we belong to Him. God wants us to know that He abides in us and that we abide in Him in this personal relationship. And He wants us to know by way of giving us His Spirit. He wants us to know that we know Him. And He wants us to know by way of the Spirit's presence in us. Do you know one of the first evidences of the Spirit's presence and work in your life? You know, what, you know what it was? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the first moment where you were given evidence that the Holy Spirit was working in you was the moment you confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. If you've had a time in your life where you made the decision, I want to trust Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and you prayed and made a confession of the Lord, I believe in you, that is a moment you can be certain was prompted and moved and, be, and it happened because of the work of the Spirit. Nobody comes to know God as Lord and Savior except through the work of the Holy Spirit. It was the presence and work of the Spirit that moved you to confessing that Jesus is Lord. That's exactly what verse 14 and 15 is communicating. Listen to this again. We have seen and we are testifying that the Father sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Your confession of Jesus Christ as the Son of God is evidence that the Spirit of God is at work in your life. And the presence of the Spirit of God is proof that you abide in God and He abides in you. I'm so grateful we have an example of what this confession really means. Right here in verse 14. Where John says in verse 14, We have seen and we are testifying, we are confessing that the Father sent the Son as Savior of the world. John and the apostles saw Jesus Christ and understand who he was. They knew that he was the Savior of the world, sent by God the Father to rescue a world from their sin. They knew it, and they began proclaiming it and confessing it, and their confession began with a belief in Jesus Christ in their own lives, and their confession became a life of confessing Jesus Christ, where they decided they would align their lives with who Jesus is and what Jesus says, and they would spend their lives every single day the rest of their lives confessing that belief to the world around them because Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. Their life became a life of aligning themselves with who God is and what God says and proclaiming that to the world because that's who they are. They lived lives of confession because that's exactly who they became through the work of the Spirit in their lives. And every time they confessed Jesus is Lord to those around them, every time they attempted to live a confessional life of spreading the gospel because they had confessed Jesus as their own Lord, every time that happened, 
they could rest assured that God was abiding in them and they were abiding in God because nobody wants to testify that Jesus Christ is Lord to the watching world unless God abides in him and God and they abide in God. It's evidence that he really is with us when we begin to demonstrate the presence and work of the Spirit of God in us and the Spirit of God prompts us to confess Jesus to everyone we're around. Lindley and I are pretty competitive. We discovered that on our honeymoon. We decided on the way to our honeymoon that we'd play a little gin rummy. So we started playing game after game, and guess what happened? I lost every game. After about five or six of those losses, I decided I didn't want to play gin rummy with her anymore. Lately, our game has been Scrabble where I'm beating her every time and now she doesn't want to play Scrabble. I mean, we, we are competitive. We like winners and losers in our home, but nobody likes to be losers. We all want to be winners, but if there's a winner, there's got to be a loser. And that's just kind of what our home is like. And all of our kids have grown up to be competitive. And we find ways to create winners and losers in the most unusual kind of fashion. We don't need a board game. We don't need a sporting event. We can find a way to make winners and losers all the time because our kids are just as competitive, if not more competitive, than we are. It's interesting how so many times what's in you comes out of you because that's who you are. What God is telling us is that when he abides in us and we abide in him, who's in you is just going to come out of you. And when he's in you, you will confess him. You will talk about him. It'll just ooze out of you because that's who you are. Every time you talk about Jesus, every time you think about sharing him, don't miss that God wants you to know he abides in you and you abide in him. He wants you to know it. Look at verse 16. We have come to know and we have come to believe the love which God has in us. God is love and the one abiding in love abides in God. And God in abides in him. We have come to know and we have come to believe the love God has in us. God is love. It's who he is. It's his character. And he has demonstrated his love to us. Namely, in sending Jesus Christ to die for our sins. While we were still enemies, God demonstrated his love for us so that we might see undeniably that God loves us us. He loves us because he is love. And he displayed his character in the most amazing of ways so that we would know he loves us. If God went to all that trouble and effort to demonstrate his love for us, doesn't it make sense 
that God wants us to know that we've been rescued? Doesn't it make sense that God wants us to know that he abides in us and that we abide in him? If he loves us like that, he wants us to know that we are really loved and that we belong to him. Notice what the scripture says here. It says, we have come to believe and we have come to know the love which God has in us. And look at your translations. Some of your translations will read, the love which God has for us. And some of your Bibles will have a little number one right there. And if you look down in the footnotes, you'll see an italicized in. And then the little abbreviation L-I-T period. Let me tell you what that means. What that means is in the original text, the actual preposition used is the preposition in, not for. Now the reason in your translation it says for and not in is because there is definitely a sense where God has made us the object of his love. But the reason that God has chosen in the writing of this message to the church, this precise word in, this only happens a couple times in the whole New Testament. It's both in reference to God's love. And the reason that we're told this is because God wants us to know we are not simply the objects of his love. He's just not loving toward us. He just doesn't show his love for us. No, he puts his love in us so that we are enveloped and filled and, and we are made alive because of his love coming into our lives, not just for us, but actually in us. It's the same picture of abiding. It's not that God cares about us. It's that God lives in us. It's not that God died for us. No, he gave his life so he could live in us. It's not that God just loves us. No, it's that he put his love in us. He is abiding in us and we are abiding in him. And that's why he says his love is in us. Think about what it would be like if some of your closest friends said to you, hey, we want to celebrate your birthday or your anniversary or we want to celebrate your promotion or whatever it is. They just want to celebrate you and they say to you, we would love to celebrate you. And in order to do that, some of your closest friends are going to get together. We're going to prepare all your favorite foods. And we're going to have this feast together. It's going to be awesome. And so what are your favorite foods? And you began listing them out. I love, I love steak and particularly ribeye or fillets, those are really good, chicken fried venison. I mean, hypothetically, if this was you, chicken fried venison, I love that. I love good, authentic Italian spaghetti. I love, I love broccoli seasoned just right. I love asparagus that's grilled on the grill and seasoned up really good. Brussels sprouts that are, that are baked in the oven, boy, those are delicious. I love those kinds of things. What about for dessert? Well, I love chocolate pie. Not enough of you realize that, but I love chocolate pie. 
I love hot fresh brownies or a hot fresh chocolate chip cookie with a big old scoop of homemade vanilla ice cream. I love all kinds of bluebell. I mean, if this was hypothetically you, you might explain things like that. And they would hear you say all of that. And they say, we're going to have all your favorite foods. We're not going to just have homemade vanilla. We're going to have every kind of bluebell. And we're going to have it all spread out there to celebrate you. Well, you're fired up about this moment. You can't wait for that night to come. You come into that house, and sure enough, on this big table is this massive spread of food. It's just piled everywhere. It's an amazing, beautiful feast. You sit down with all your closest friends, and you sit there, and you're kind of waiting. You're thinking, somebody's going to say something, somebody's going to pray, and then we're going to dig in, and nothing happens. Everybody sits there looking at you. You begin to feel a little uneasy, and you think, well, maybe, maybe I'm supposed to say something. You say, well, I'm really glad that we're here tonight, gathered in my honor, and... Um, what would you all like to do before we start eating? And somebody says, oh, no, 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 we're not here to eat. No, we prepared all of this amazing, beautiful food for you as an expression of our love and appreciation for you, but we're just here to look at it. Isn't it beautiful? You'd be like, wait a minute. Yes, it's beautiful. No question, it is gorgeously beautiful but this is a beauty that's not meant to be simply observed this is a beauty that's meant to be taken in the beauty of God's love is not simply to be observed it's a beauty that's to be taken in and so God has placed his love in us so that our souls might be well fed. He wants you to know that he abides in you and that you abide in him. So that you might with the Apostle John say, I have come to believe and I have come to know that the love of God is in me. I belong to Him. He is love. And He has changed my life. We need to know that God abides in us and that we abide in Him such that we could say like Peter, where else do we have to go? You alone have the words of life. I have come to believe and I've come to know that you are the Holy One of God. I know who you are. And I know that you put your love in me. And I know that you abide in me. God wants us to know. Because knowing changes everything. It changes everything. I was at the doctor this last week. I had a, a cut on my back, a little procedure, and I had some stitches in there. And I had to go in and get those stitches out. I knew I was in trouble when the nurse said, how long has it been since you put, got the stitches in? Has it been three weeks? I said, no, it's been two. She goes, huh. I said, wait a minute, what do you, what do you mean? Mm. Well, some of these stitches, stitches the skin's grown over them I know it's kind of gross sounding what was really bad is she had to start digging in there now I'm a little bit uncomfortable at that point she keeps asking me are you okay and I keep lying and saying yes 
So she finishes taking out the stitches, and this is what she says to me. All right, I think I got it all. I I don't need to be rude, but when you said you think you got it all, do you really just think you got it all? Because I need to know you got it all. That's what I said. And she goes, oh, I'm so sorry. Bad choice of words. I know I got it all. I was like, okay, then we're good. Because here's the thing. Knowing changes everything. Right? God wants us. Listen, God wants you to know. He wants you to know. Jesus after he had risen from the dead, showed up to see his disciples to let them know he was alive. And everybody was there except for Thomas. You remember that? I've often wondered, where in the world was that guy? What could be more important? Thomas wasn't there. I've come to believe that perhaps Thomas wasn't there because of us. See, when Thomas showed up, all the disciples began to tell Thomas, Jesus is alive. We saw him. We got to hang out with him. And Thomas says, I don't, I don't believe you guys. I'm not going to believe it until I get to touch him myself. Can you imagine what the disciples would be saying to Thomas? Thomas, you are hard-headed. Come on. We all saw him. Everybody here saw him. Get over it. Believe. Nope, I'm not believing until I touch him. After eight days of doubting, Jesus in his compassion showed up because Doubt is not the way of Jesus. Jesus showed up and Thomas was there. And Jesus said to Thomas, come here, Thomas. I want you to touch my wounds, touch my side. Don't be unbelieving. Believe. I think that story is there for you and me. So that we can see just how much Jesus cares about us knowing. Because knowing changes everything. If if you know that he abides in you and you abide in him, you will know you are forgiven. You will know he will guide you. You know that he will be with you. You know that his peace will prevail. You know that his hope is real. If you know that he abides with you and you abide with him, you know that you are never alone in any challenge that you face in this life. He is with you. If you need a reminder of what that's like, just go over to the toddler area this morning in the nursery. You're going to see a bunch of two and three three and four-year-olds having to go into the nursery room without mom and dad. You know, a lot of them won't even go in the room. Unless mom and dad walks in with them. Because they can't face it alone. But if mom and dad will walk in there with them, they'll go in and they'll get applicated. Mom and dad can slip out. Here's the wonderful beauty about God. He abides with you and you abide with him and you will never be alone again. It changes everything. It changes everything for your family. You know, when families know that God abides in them and they in God, everything changes. The way you parent changes. The way you instruct your children about the rest of their life changes. The way you love each other changes. The way you go through conflict changes. When you know God is in you and that you are in God and you're that kind of relationship with him that he made in your life, it changes the way you do family. Totally revolutionizes the way you do family. It matters. 
When we are a church of individuals who know that God abides in us and we abide in Him, we are a church full of families that know that God abides in us and we abide in, in Him, then it changes the church. The whole church is changed and the whole church knows God abides in us and we abide in Him. And do you know that that kind of confidence changes everything for a church? It's right here in this passage. John and the apostles, the nucleus of the New Testament church, they say right here in this passage, we saw Jesus and we testified about him. Do you know that we wouldn't be here if they didn't really believe, if they didn't really know that Jesus was with them? But they did, and they told, and it changed the world. He wants us to know through the presence of the Spirit, through the work of the Spirit, and through the love of God. And we experience the love of God. God's love happens in us, right? And we begin to love each other. You know what we begin to realize? I am doing things towards somebody that I would never otherwise do. I'm choosing to love somebody. It's hard to love. I'd never do that if God was not working in me. And God helps us to know that he abides in us and we abide in him because it changes everything. And we are living in a world that needs to see the church who believes and knows that Jesus is the Savior of the world. There is nothing like knowing you belong to him. So let's remember what we should remember and let's tell people about who we know. Amen.